Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Boom, what up? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Just feels like it's going to be one of those great days, great shows. Broadcasting live from the center of the Fox Sports Radio universe. The City of Angels, 75 and sunny. You don't even need to check the app. Yep, 75 and sunny. Give or take five degrees or so. Yeah, that's how we're rolling. We got an outstanding show for you. Uh, It's a Ryan Music, Cindy Katz production. Nick Wright, who is co-host of uh, First Things First, a new Yacker show on Fox Sports 1, which is set to launch this August. Of course, uh, Hall of Famer Chris Carter, but he's more like second chair to my man. Nick Wright, who's going to join us upcoming in 15 minutes. We're going to argue Jordan versus LeBron because last night LeBron beat up on some second graders. That's really what happened. Get to that in a moment. Uh, then we have we have Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, ha! the new quarterback or soon-to-be starting quarterback of the Houston Texans. Oh, I'm sorry. He's going <clears> to <throat> compete for the job. <laughs> oh, the game is rigged. Sean Watson's going to compete for the job. Like if you had to bet all your salary on Deshaun Watson starting or not starting a game by the end of the season, is there a human being alive that would not bet on Watson to start? Yeah, I like there was 
No possible. I got to feel see the odds in Vegas just because whatever they are, that is found money. That's found money. Anyway, Deshaun Watson will be our guest in the second hour of the show. And then the final hour of the show, Luke Walton's going to be our guest, head coach of the L.A. Lakers. Was he watching Fox Sports 1 yesterday? And has anything that has taken place with LeVar Ball uh, affected their evaluation of Alonzo Ball? So we'll get to that. Luke Walton, Deshaun Watson, and my man Nick Wright joins us in 15 minutes so we can argue about Jordan versus Braun. Here's the deal. Um, I think LeBron is great. I have never, I have, I've, since he overcame the yips, the lack of confidence against the Dallas Mavericks and won two titles, he has continued to evolve and improve, and he's smart enough to understand the players he needs around him, the coach he needs to coach him, the style he needs to play in order to be effective. You have to know yourself. To thy own self be true. That's Shakespeare, kids. And LeBron James is. He came back home. He won a title. He brought the team back from three games to one down, which was a monumental upset against the 73-win defending champion Golden State Warriors. But if you're, again, using last night, a team that is emotionally spent, a team that has, is at a physical disadvantage and a matchup disadvantage to point out that Jordan is better, like, dude, go back and look at what Jordan did to other Eastern Conference foes continually in the playoffs. Do you remember when he used to give it to the Knicks every single year? Do you remember when he used to give it to the Cavs every single year? So it's great to, you love LeBron, and LeBron is playing uh, peak efficient LeBron. But last night was more about where the Celtics are emotionally, physically, and matchup-wise, more so than LeBron's greatness, in my opinion. But we'll have that debate with Nick Wright upcoming in 15 minutes. The big news of the day is something that people pay very, very little attention to. Like, here's how I know people pay a little attention to. Reggie Miller's a Hall of Famer, isn't he? Do you know how many times Reggie Miller made first-team All-NBA? Zero. Do you know how many times Reggie Miller made second-team All-NBA? Zero. I believe Reggie Miller only made third-team All-NBA one, uh, uh, three times. Three times. I bring it up because generally, my, my general thought is, generally, that in order to be a Hall of Famer, and I know this has changed, like Dominique Wilkins got in. I'm not a big Dominique guy as a Hall of Famer. He was a great scorer, but his team's never. He had one 50-plus win seasons, season. They were always eliminated early in the playoffs, seemed like. like. Like, if you're that great, at some point, your team has to be a lot better. So when Dominique Wilkins got into the pro, uh, the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, I was like, mm, okay, we kind of know it's not necessarily about who the best is. It's more kind of popularity contest. Dominique Wilkins was an incredibly popular player because – he was the one who went toe-to-toe with Michael Jordan in the dunk contest. He was the one, one of the few who would go toe-to-toe with Michael Jordan every year for the scoring titles, when Jordan went seven years in a row winning a scoring title. The problem was Jordan always beat him. Jordan's team always beat him. And if you're really that good, wouldn't you just one time break through? And the answer is apparently no. So I don't know how you feel about Reggie Miller being a Hall of Famer. I mean, I frankly think that Reggie, because he's so likable, because he stayed in the same place, and because of, what was it, 12 seconds in New York, like, that's really kind of why he got in. Like, if you're not one time in your career viewed as one of the 10 best players in the NBA, 
Why are you a Hall of Famer? But the big news of the day is that Gordon Hayward and Paul George were not on the All-NBA team. And because they were not on the All-NBA team, they cannot get the DPE. That's the Designated Player uh, Extension. It's the super, super duper, don't tell anybody, it's my side deal, my discount to you. Everybody, I love these super secret deals that, uh, it's like the secret menu at In-N-Out Burger. Wait, I didn't know you could get a 4x4. Four four. Yeah, you can get a 4x4. Four four. Uh, quick side note, there's apparently a national study that now has five guys over In-N-Out. That's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And I know that In-N-Out has since kind of expanded to other places outside of California, more so than Vegas, where it was previously. It's in it's in Texas as well. But I, I honestly, this is this is because you can get five guys anywhere. You can't get In-N-Out anywhere. It has nothing to do with the quality. I'm an In-N-Out guy. Always have been. No disrespect to five guys. Um, but I, I think people are holding In-N-Out to a standard to which even five guys win matchup. Anyway, uh, so the DPE is kind of like the double secret menu cheat code on your video game. Hey, I didn't know that. But Paul George and Gordon Hayward, had they been on one of the first three All-NBA teams, they would have been able to sign a five-year, $207 million Supermax extension to remain with the team that drafted them. This is one of those deals in sports which is designed with the best of possible intentions. And it's going to end up completely and totally backfiring. Right? The the DPE is, hey, look, in addition to having your bird rights, we can pay you far and away more if you stay and sign this DPE far and away more than anybody else can. And remember, the critical stipulation is it has to be on, you have to be on the team that drafted you, or you have to have been traded on your rookie deal to another team. In other words, in order to get this designation, you gotta, this has gotta be your squad. And when they, when the, when the owners agreed to put this in, they're like, well, it'll keep the Kevin Durant's in Oklahoma City. It'll keep the Russell Westbrook's in Oklahoma City. It will keep the, Actually, James Harden was traded during his rookie rookie deal to Houston. It could keep James Harden in Houston. It could keep Paul George in Indy. It could keep Gordon Hayward in Utah. Here's the problem. And look, maybe this maybe this is the defense of Reggie Miller, because this uh, All NBA team voting is a joke. It's a, it's a joke. Rudy Gobert received the sixth most votes. He received 43 first-team All-NBA team votes. Now, look, Rudy Gobert's a very good shot blocker, and he catches and finishes, and he's an outstanding athlete who defends the rim for the Utah Jazz. Who's the best player for the Utah Jazz? Is it Gordon Hayward or is it Rudy Gobert? When teams get ready to play the Jazz, do they say, all right, fellas, first thing we got to do is worry about Rudy Gobert, or do they say the first thing we got to do is worry about Gordon Hayward? My point exactly. Gordon Hayward, career highs in points, shot 47 from the, from the field, 40 from three, five and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. 
and the team won more games. I'm not trying to diminish Rudy Gobert's importance to the team, but in terms of who's the best player, the fact that Rudy Gobert is receiving the sixth most votes makes the list erroneous. Oh, I mean, it's just it's basically because he's a center. Like, we got to find a big guy. We got to. I mean, look, Draymond Green is third team All NBA. Why? Why? Like, he's not even the third best warrior. Clay Thompson is. Stop it. And oh yeah, by the way, like, we don't want to put Marcus All or Carl Anthony Towns or Demarcus Cousins because they're big guys. Fine, Paul George, Gordon Hayward. Great seasons. Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Chris Paul. So the point is that because Paul George and Gordon Hayward did not get the DPE, that designation that could have signed them to a $207 million five-year contract to remain with the team that drafted them, the opposite of the intended effect is likely to come true. Gordon Hayward could then be on the move so too could Paul George at the end of next season. It's uh, the law of unintended consequences. You guys are aware of law of unintended consequences? I'm big on the law of unintended consequences. It's great. You know? The draft lottery was designed to create interest and to make, make it so that teams couldn't tank. Right? What's the point in losing all your games? You might not get that number one pick to begin with, right? That's the, in- the intended consequence was to punish teams that tanked and lost all their games because, hey, you could lose the fourth most or fifth most or 13th most games and still get the number one overall pick. The, uh, the unintended consequences is people understand just give yourself more and more uh, ping pong balls, more and more opportunities to get low in that draft, and you're more likely to get that, that pick. It actually ends up having more tanking than we had before we had the NBA draft lottery. So the DPE could end up unsettling this league. And look, I love what we're going to have in the NBA Finals. But if you think the last two nights blowouts are good for basketball, everything we told you before the season is in fact true, right? The Warriors and the Cavs are in fact the best teams. They are going to meet in the Finals. Nothing else matters except are they going to be healthy? Neither of the two teams have lost a game in the playoffs. And if you think this trend is a good one for the health of the NBA, I give you the last two nights as examples. Nick Wright joins us upcoming next. Does he think the Cavs and the Warriors' utter and sheer dominance is good for the NBA? And does he believe what we're seeing from LeBron is actually the new peak LeBron? That's upcoming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. New show coming to FS1. They were at the Upfronts last week, I believe. Uh, that's where, in New York City, they put guys up on stage and say, here's what's hot, here's what's going to be big next year. Uh, This is going to be big. On September 5th, 
Starting this September 5th on Fox Sports 1, you can see Nick Wright. That's at Get Nick Wright is his Twitter handle. And the Hall of Famer, Chris Carter, uh, and one show together. It's going to be called First Things First. It's going to launch our daily TV lineup at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, running to, to uh, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Broadcasting live from New York City. Nick Wright, of obviously co-host of that show, joins us now on Fox Sports Radio. Dude, how cool was that to go, like, talk about a jet plane going from Houston to here for a year to New York City to being on stage next to Chris Carter and you get your own show starting in September. It was great. It's been it's been amazing to be here. The whole process has been it's been crazy. Like you said, I mean, I started at FS1 almost exactly one year ago, and I moved out to LA. And the plan was for my family to move out here this coming summer once my son finished high school. And before they even get out here, we're now all moving to New York. It's been a whirlwind of twelve, thirteen months. Uh, okay, speaking. Let's let's get to kind of news of the day. All NBA teams came out today. Yeah. First thing is everybody's. Uh, freaking out because Paul George, Gordon Hayward, they don't get the Supermax, which may cause them to be able to move, to, to leave leave their teams. Um, I, I mean, this, this designation where you have to vote for a center, Rudy Gobert got the sixth most votes, Nick. He's not the best player on the Jazz. Help me out with how do we save ourselves from ourselves when we're supposed to take these All-NBA teams seriously and Rudy Gobert not only is second-team All-NBA, but he received the sixth most total votes on the All-NBA team. So I think there's an easy fix, which is I think when they do the actual all-NBA teams for history's purpose, there should be position designations, okay? Because I want to be able to look back, as I often do on basketball reference, and say, who were the best centers of the 70s? Who were the best guards? I don't just want a first team, because the first team this year would have been LeBron and four guards. So I, if you don't have positions. But I think when it comes to the contracts, and that's the big thing, the guys that can get this super max extension, there has to be a separate voting of who are the 15 best players in the sport and have that voting be what applies to who can get the super max extensions. It's a smart, it's a smart point. You could also just eliminate the fact you have to have positions on the voting, though, right, on the voting for – for all NBA team, wouldn't that wouldn't that change? Wouldn't that fix things? That, that would, but that just I think historically I do want to see. Like I find it fascinating that even with positions mattering, that Carl Malone was considered one of the two best forwards in the league for I think twelve years in a row. That with positions mattering or eleven years in a row, LeBron James. It's not just that he's one of the five best players. It's that he's one of the two best guys at one of the most stacked positions in the league. So I think you could have dueling lists, if that makes sense. But it's probably a minor point. It is. It's it's an interesting point. Nick Wright, at Get Nick Wright, is his uh, Twitter handle. I was checking you out on Twitter. And Demonza, your son, who's getting ready to play junior college basketball, uh, he was texting back and forth with you about gambling. For people who haven't followed you on Twitter, who don't know like what he was uh, – what what's the impetus of this back and forth text between your son uh, and you while you're watching a game? All right. Well, so this was well, I posted it during the game, but it was from uh, prior to the game. So people know me. I am a gambler. It is something. My father was a gambler. It is something of a family trait, and I don't wish to pass it on to my son. But I don't exactly, I guess, totally discourage it. And it turns out. He had a lot of friends that thought the Washington Wizards were going to beat his favorite team, the Boston Celtics. 
So he had been betting with him, you know, just his buddies. He doesn't have some account in Bermuda. Just his buddies, 10 bucks, 15 bucks at a time on the Celtics Wizards series. And then he reversed course, and he texted me yesterday and said, do you think Cleveland's going to be up on Boston at the end of the first quarter and at the end of the first half? And so now I'm in a position where my son is not only gambling, but betting first quarter and first half lines. And that's a very tricky rabbit hole. So I did the proper parenting thing in my eyes, which is I counseled him against it. But he's 18 years old. He pushed back. And then I told him, okay, bet the Cavs in the first half, but collect some of your money that you've already won. Because I told him, you have never won a single dollar until you collect the dollar. The idea that someone owes you money but you've won it is a myth. The money has to be in your hand. That's how I parent in the right household. Oh, okay, I can only – here's the other part, though. Like, dude, he wants to play college basketball someday, and you're putting him on blast because he's gambling. I I, I don't – I you tell me. I mean, he is going to be playing junior college basketball. I think there you got to be able to make $10 bets with your friends. That can't be some violation. I kind of think it actually is. Well, then, a $10 well, then, bet, $10 bet. Like, look, there's some plausible deniability there. Like, oh, we were just playing. There was no paper trail. You know, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm a friend to friend. I want to see him make it. I would encourage, my my outside encouragement so would be. So I delete the tweet is what you're saying, and we shouldn't podcast as part of the interview is what you're saying? Uh, no, you could just, <laughs> if you said what you do with your friends, like, I, I you know, and, and look, it's the best intentions at heart is to keep people away from gambling because, you know, if you do gamble with a guy, eventually that guy always is going to get over on you, right? He's going to. Correct. And he's go, you're going to owe him money. And what happens if you don't have that money? That's really, that's, there, therein kind of lies the rub. Uh, you know, why didn't Pete Rose bet every day on his team, right? If he didn't, why were there certain, because was he trying to help guy, people? Was that the sign to help guys make money back that he owed them? I don't know. That, that's the that's the kind of the, the rub in it. Um, you, you mentioned how you love basketballreference.com. I do too as well. Uh, it's a place in which you can get any stat from just about any game or any player to ever play in the NBA. It's also footballreference.com as well. And so you've been on, and I I think what, I, I don't know if you were initially trying to just balance things out because obviously Skip came in as the anti-LeBron and you came out pro-LeBron. So I don't know. I, I guess my question is. I just came out pro-truth, Doug. I'm just pro-truth. And the truth is there is one transcendent athlete, maybe two if you want to include Tom Brady, going in sports right now. It's LeBron James, and I want people to fully appreciate what we're seeing because what we're seeing is the guy who is going to go down as the greatest athlete ever. That's what we're seeing. I don't think he's going to go down as the greatest athlete ever. I just I, And then look, and I know some of it is we're caught in our childhood and we're caught in and the logo of the jump man. We're caught in the myth of Michael Jordan. But the idea that he never failed to come through in the NBA Finals, it's, a, it's, it's frankly very similar to the Joe Montana, only he's far more statistically do, he was more He was more statistically dominant in the regular season than Joe Montana ever was. So you legitimately believe that LeBron is a better basketball player than Jordan was? Yeah, 
absolutely. Now, he's not more accomplished, and that's what you're leaning on, but Jordan was less accomplished than Kareem, and you're confident saying Kareem was not the better player. And, and we do have to get past this whole never-failed thing with Jordan. He failed plenty of times. He just failed earlier. The idea that LeBron James, his legacy would have been better had he not carried the 07 Cavs to the finals, because there's one fewer finals loss, that his legacy would have been better had he not carried the 2015 Cavs to the finals without Kevin Love and with a hampered Kyrie Irving, because there's one fewer finals loss. It's an absurdity. We don't do this with Olympians. We don't hold, we don't somehow act like no medal is better than a silver medal. Like with the Brady Montana thing, Brady's got four gold medals. I'm sorry, Montana's got four golds, zero silvers. Prior to this past year, Brady had four golds and two silvers. The latter is clearly better than the former. So the idea that it only counts as failure when you get to the final round, it penalizes you for advancing in the postseason, and that's an absurdity. All right, I, 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 wanna, I have a counter to that thought. It actually agrees with you on some levels and disagrees with you on the point that I do think you're missing, or at least you're slightly gloss. You're not slightly. You are glossing over Nick Wright from the new show. First things first. He and the Hall of Famer Chris Carter. That's starting this September. Fox Sports One, September fifth, six a.m. Set your DVR. Plus, you can hear him, uh, see him on all the Fox Sports shows and on Fox Sports Radio. Get back to that in a second. First, though, here's what's trending. When things come out of left field, having a game plan matters. Farmers Insurance has over 89 years of experience helping people play through every stage of the game. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. Visit Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. All right, back with Nick Wright. Get at Get Nick Wright is the Twitter handle. Um, look, I would agree with you on the idea that Jordan never failed, and LeBron, we can't hold against him what he did with the with the the, the either the two Cavs teams which lost in the finals. But you're kind of glossing over the fact, dude, he was bad against Dallas. Like he, I don't know if it was stage fright. I don't know if his surrounding. You could say his surrounding cast wasn't that good, but it wasn't like the Dallas Mavericks were loaded that year either. Uh, and you know, they did the year they beat the Spurs that it was a miraculous game six comeback that had to save them. And they lost another series to the Spurs, albeit he was spectacular before his body cramped up in game one. I mean, look, I'm not holding the, the overall record against him. I'm holding what I watched against him. And the fact that there have been times to which he has not shown the competitive toughness or ability to finish, um, like we saw with Jordan, they're different, and in that way, I think Jordan remains superior in my own mind. All right, so the Mavs series, yeah, it is a totally fair criticism. It is more than valid. It is an enormous black mark on an otherwise almost unimpeachable resume. I will not deny any of that. It is the biggest black mark on almost any true pantheon player's resume in almost any sport like that is a real thing and i have no rebuttal for it that i will concede that point i think the other the overall resume past that more than overcomes that as far as a miraculous comeback to beat the spurs 
fact of the matter is LeBron James is the best player on the court in that game six. He's had 14 points in the fourth quarter of that game six. He had the three-pointer that made it a one-possession game in that game six. So the idea that it was all – they were down, I think, nine points going into the fourth quarter. LeBron then got his headband knocked off him, and he went wild with shooters on the court. But the other thing with this is – but again, I'm not trying to argue LeBron's uh, – his resume is more impressive than Jordan's because it's not yet. I'm simply arguing he's better at basketball than Jordan was. And you have a real tough time with that, I think, in large part because the things LeBron is great at are the things that you, I think, undervalue. And the things Jordan was great at are the things I think you slightly overvalue because, it, like, it, I'm guessing, I, I'm not going to act like I watched you play. But I'm guessing Doug, and maybe some of the listeners have forgotten this or don't know this, Doug was an extraordinary college basketball player, and it's not because Doug is an extraordinary natural athlete. It's because, I'm guessing, you were incredibly precise, you had tremendous fundamentals, you were amazingly tenacious and intelligent on the court, and you, it's not because you were bigger and stronger than everybody, even though you're pretty damn strong. You hand-checked me in the hallway at FS1 today. I think you dislocated my hip. But regardless, like I, I think you see a lot of the stuff you love in what Jordan was, and, and LeBron's a big bully, and it's tougher to appreciate for some. Uh, I, would, I would actually kind of counter that. Like A lot of the things LeBron does was, uh, you know, again, a much better version of what I would try and do in that he – he he has the, the crazy part about LeBron is all the points is not what he actually likes to do. Like if it was up to him, he wouldn't hardly score. He's led the NBA in scoring, and he's not really a score. Like that's what's crazy about it, right? So that's not really my thing. Is that I I think how basketball has always been played, and maybe this is the the change that LeBron has. As basketball has always been played, is hey, you know what? When you get to the end of the game, and you really need a bucket. You give it to your best player, and he's going to figure out, if you don't double-team him, he's going to find a way to get a bucket, to go one-on-one and to just jump up. And uh, Jordan used to do it. Bird used to do it. Magic used to do it. Um, that Jerry West used to do it. Like, the best of all time, that's what they've done. Whereas, in truth, yes, he has scored and he has made big shots, but, like, last year in the finals, Kyrie it was is really their go-to score. So that's... that's- nonsense that last point is nonsense in the final six minutes of that game the Cavs scored 10 points LeBron had seven of them the final points of the game were scored by LeBron after he drove to the basket got fouled and then hit the clinching free throw game seven of the previous finals that went seven games he had 38 and 12 Uh, he was unbelievable he was unbelievable including the jumper to win the game. What you're saying is, in my eyes, that LeBron is the first super-duper star that even though he's the best player out there, is able to set his ego aside even in the biggest moments and say, if there is a better basketball play to be made, I am going to make it. It's not now that... But but, but that's actually... But that's actually... Nick, that's actually what... and, And really, this is maybe the growth in LeBron... From early LeBron to post LeBron, because because the one thing that I'm I'm not sure if like you're technically not old enough to remember, but I do know you go back and watch. 
Okay, because Jordan early on, when he had those failures, it was because he was the opposite of LeBron. He would try and do it. He would try and win it himself. And he would average 40 in a series, and his team would lose because he wasn't surrounded by good enough players, but he also didn't trust him. What changed with Jordan was, the one, the willingness to make the big pass when the, when the Pistons double-teamed him and bludgeoned him when he'd drive or post up. And then the spacing and surrounding teammates that Phil Jackson and the triangle offense gave him. The opposite is kind of true with LeBron. Early on, LeBron deferred too much, and now LeBron has learned, at least on some level, to take over and to play more of that bully ball. And, and, and part of it is that's also the sky report. Make LeBron make jump shots. Make LeBron beat you with a score because he wants to beat you as a passer. So I, I kind of think he's not the first, but it's that he that was his first reaction was what Jordan did at the end, and now he's come around to becoming more of a scorer than he used to. The, I guess the and the other the other point that I think is an interesting one at least for the audience to consider because I know I'm not going to convince you is could Jordan have done last year with that team against that team what LeBron did and could could you flip flop the two of them exact same scenarios for each of them and who has better success. I think if you put LeBron with those 90s Bulls in place of Jordan, they do the exact same thing. I think if you put Jordan in place of LeBron every step of the way, they do win that Mavs series that LeBron, when LeBron melted down, but they absolutely, not only do they not win last year or the year before, I'm not sure if they get there the year that Kevin Love and Kyrie were out. So I just... I'm watching the guy, and I know he's a better rebounder. I know he can pass better. I know he's a more efficient scorer, and I know he's the more versatile defender. Now, I know Jordan has a defensive player of the year. LeBron never won that, but probably could have. And I do think longevity matters. And, like, when we're talking about the greatest of the greats, the fact that LeBron's going to has already done it longer than Jordan did and is going to keep doing it much longer, that's got a factor in his favor. And so I just and I think people have taken for granted how impossible it is to make the finals this many years in a row and not be exhausted. Oh, and I and I get hurt. Uh, all right, I got two two more quick ones for you. So you got got to be quick with me. Yeah. Um, as of right now, who would you favor to win the whole thing? The Cavs. All right, so which which brings me to the most important thing, which I don't think anyone has brought up yet. It's something to think about. What happens if they don't win? Like you have to factor in like this the the final, and it's probably it's not the final chapter. Like he's going to be around for another couple of years, but what happens if he doesn't win? Like how do we how do we view? Like people are going to freak out, and we're going to go back to LeBron. Not as good in the, in the in the big games I, again, and he can play great like he did when they lost to San Antonio his last year in Miami, but it's going to be a lot harder if they lose to a team that, let's be honest, probably superior offensive firepower in the Golden State Warriors, right? So yeah, if they I lose mean, that it, game, then what do we do with this argument? I to me, he if they don't win this year, it will be a tougher mountain for him to climb on the accomplishments ladder to reach or pass Jordan. But if LeBron James had a press conference today and said, I'm retiring, guys, that doesn't change the fact that the best best of the best at their best that I've ever seen 
is LeBron. And by the way, like what's the narrative going to be if they don't win it this year? It's going to be that a team had to go add the second best player in the world after winning seven or three games just to compete with this guy. That's what the narrative is going to be. Follow him on Twitter and get ready for his new show. First things first, he's Nick Wright. Uh, He's a friend, even though we disagree on this topic and many others. We still love to to banter back and forth. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Nick, great stuff. We'll delete out the stuff about you telling your your college-bound son he should throw some money on a game, okay? I I love you, Doug. And by the way, thank you for everything you've done to help me with my son. I really, truly, on a personal, deep level, appreciate it. Love you, man. All right, we may may get him on a different junior college team before he actually gets there. But that's okay. I'm getting Nick Wright joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. We'll play a little game called Guess Who? Guess When? Next. Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox Sports Radio, here's Doug Gottlieb. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. Got a little day baseball taking place. Looks like the Cubs are figuring things out. Eight nothing now against the Reds, plating yet another run. What is that? Uh, bottom five. God, I should have brought my glasses in. How about John Lester though? Like we were talking about mental blocks and and LeBron getting over his mental blocks. Like how about how good John Lester is and he can't throw to first base. Like he can't hold a runner on. Think about that. By the way, John Lester just uh, I think he just hit one. Did he just get a single? No, he just played a run. Rockies up big. Pirates up big. Never been to a day baseball game. They fun? I might just figure you go out there and you just drink. Right? Not a bad idea. I mean, if you could do it, I guess, right? Off for the day. I got, uh, you know, like your sales guy, like, mm, got a couple sales calls. Especially now, though. Now with your ability to do sales on the road, like, how many sales guys? You just, like, go and get your laptop, open it up. Hopefully there's some Wi-Fi. If not, use the phone for Wi-Fi. Grab a cold beer, make all your calls from a ball game. Wow. I just gave a bunch of you an idea. You can listen to Fox Sports Radio when you're at the game, too. Right, let's dig into my sack. Let's reach into Godlieb's sack. <laughs> it's a sack of games. Sack of games. Dan Beyer, uh, what game have you plucked out of my sack? Well, it says right here. Guess who? Guess who? Okay. Dan Meyer. <laughs> no, that oh. would be incorrect. Oh. If you're looking for the answer to what member of the Doug Gottlieb show won't put up the first place Brewers on one of his four TVs in front of him, that would be... Ramos. That would be John Ramos, but that's not one of our guess who's today. The Let, Brew Crew. Yes, first place Brewers. How about that? Take it while we yeah. can. Literally, who knew? <laughs> hey, guess what NBA coach called President Trump a, quote, blowhard, end quote, who, and I'll add this, quote, couldn't be more ill-suited to be president, end quote. Guess who said that? I'm going to go with uh, Greg Popovich. Ah, uh, you would no. be. Yes, you'd be wrong. It would be Steve Kerr. So close. Same series. Just Steve Kerr calling out uh, President Trump as of late. Um, I've got some more basketball news for you, go. Doug. Okay, you ready for this yeah. one? Guess who just landed a five-star recruit beating out the likes of Tom Izzo, John Calipari, and Mike Krzyzewski to sign 6'11 power forward Mo Bamba to a letter of intent? Guess who just beat out who? Yes. Mike Krzyzewski? John Calipari and Tom Izzo. What college basketball coach? 
Uh, I didn't see where Mo Bamba signed. Um, Roy Williams. Nope. Shaka Smart. Ah, Texas. He is going to Texas. A wingspan that uh, is like uh, Rudy Gobert's. No, I've in the Utah seen Mo, Mo Bamba is crazy, crazy long. It's longer than Rudy Gobert's, right? It's like seven, seven and a half, or something crazy like that. seven, eleven and a half, actually. Something, uh, it's something crazy. But he, yes. he has a hundred foot wingspan. He's a condor. <laughs> <laughs> Large. Uh, guess what? Braves player commits eight weeks of action with a fractured wrist. This, according to Fox Sports Insider Ken Rosenthal. Uh, I was actually listening to this report. It's one of the few things I listen to that you do. Uh, who is Freddie Freeman? Hey, yeah. See, I did it in Jeopardy form. Oh, I wasn't listening, Doug. I'm sorry. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two can play that game. Two can... <laughs> Guess who thinks he'll be the starting quarterback of his team in 2017, but after that, uh, not so much. Um, This is NFL. I should narrow it Mike down to that. Oh, Mike Glennon. No. Oh, jeez, Draymond. You know, maybe. Can't even give him a second guess. Can you give him a second guess, Draymond? Uh, yeah. Oh, you okay. can. Okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, nope. Jeez, third time's uh, the charm, maybe? Um, Eli Manning. Nope. How about Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith? Uh, that's fair. Yeah, seeing yeah. the writing on the wall with Patrick Mahomes being drafted, especially with the Chiefs uh, trading up. And uh, finally, guess who won't miss the Lions Sunday night football game against the Steelers in October because of the birth of his son? So he's choosing the football game over the birth of his son. What Lions player? Matt Stafford. Nope. But he's, he's, he's the only Lions player that actually matters. <laughs> I hate to, hate to break it to the Lions. What, what if I told you his name rhymed with Barrick Bebron? Then oh, Eric Ebron. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Eric Ebron saying that, uh, yeah, he's not going to miss that showdown with the Pittsburgh Steelers, hoping instead that the kid comes in the bye week leading up to that matchup against the uh, Steelers. And that's what that been... was Scott lead sack. <laughs> All right, I, then I have to like this whole idea. Like that's that's how far away is it? Like you can induce labor way before that. He's like, I won't miss a game for like football players. You can you can you can do a three hour window around the birth of a kid. MB, NBC may flex the birth as well. They may flex it out <laughs> with a different birth. <laughs> Uh, people say they won't watch Dan Byer, but they will. They can't help themselves. What is it? Find out next. Killing in the name of Doug Gottlieb show rolls on Fox Sports Radio, iHeart app, Sirius XM channel 83. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Don't be afraid to tell a friend to download the Doug Gottlieb show podcast to get the best of you get the full show. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, and please rate us. You don't have to rate us great. Just rate us. Subscribe to us. You'll get it every day delivered, and you'll get to listen to it. Uh, it, it appears we are close. We are we are going. Ramos, are you okay, dude? What happened to Ramos? See, what, what's going on here? Has he got like a... Has he got like a bladder deal, or did he get punched in the gut? Did he pull a muscle? Is he just old? We're waiting on the details. He is making some grimacing faces as if he is in the face of pain. That is, I mean, right when we came came out of the top of the hour update, a man Ramos might have a hernia, I don't know, or a hyena. So, look, it, it appears that it's a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen. And this being the Mayweather versus McGregor fight, or McGregor versus Mayweather fight. It's a boxing match between... Arguably, or maybe inarguably, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And one of the best 
mixed martial artist strikers in the world. And the biggest name mixed martial artist in the world in Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is a great name, right? Conor McGregor! And and the, the, the answer to the most obvious question is the most obvious answer. Why is this fight happening? Right? It's a different discipline. Mixed martial arts and boxing is a different discipline. Like, being a good striker in mixed martial arts and being a good uh, being a great boxer in boxing are two different things it's like sports hot and real hot it's what it is do you remember um not Anna Kornikova who's the one who was actually good but suspended for doping um and she took the Maria Sharapova right I love I love Maria Sharapova. She was taking melodomium, melodomium, whatever. I think a melodomium. Do you know what that is? It's it's like if you have a heart issue. That's what it is. That's what it's for. And she's like, well, I took it for a for a medical issue. Like, no, you didn't. You don't have a heart problem, <laughs> right? Like you're you're at one point the best pro tennis player in the world. She's won a career slam. Won two Frenches, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, Aussie Open, all between 04 and 2012. And, of course, in 14, she went back, won the French Open. And you have a heart problem. Sure. Right. Right. Or you were just doping and you got caught, which is more likely, right? Which is more likely, oh, she had a shoulder injury and then another shoulder injury and then another shoulder injury. And she, yeah, or... She was doping and she got caught. But there was a time at which Maria Sharapova was thought to be one of the spectacular beauties on the face of this planet. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like that I'm good looking. I'm not. Nor am I going to, I'm not going to shame her because I don't think she's some sort of like, she's not like a, um, when she's not Giselle. Right, she's not a supermodel, and even some supermodels aren't actually right. Like what they're looking for in a model is not necessarily doesn't make them the most beautiful woman on earth. Like Halle Berry, did you see Halle Berry's Instagram yesterday? Halle Berry's not. Halle Berry's fifty. She Instagrammed. She's like, you, you got to look at it. I mean, it is spectacular. <laughs> it shows everything, almost everything, without showing anything. It's spectacular. So the thing about Maria Sharapova is, like, Maria Sharapova was sports hot. Like, for a female athlete and a really, really good one, she's a beautiful woman. But, like, if you're lining her up with ridiculous bombshells, like, she's a, she's not, she doesn't match up there, right? Doesn't match up there. So I use that, and that's kind of my comparison there in terms of, like, sports hot and real hot is, like, Striker for a mixed martial artist and a boxer. There is an art to the sweet science of boxing. So if the question is, why is this happening? There's only really one answer. And that one answer is money. The only reason that Mayweather would fight McGregor is money. 
There's bigger fights in MMA that McGregor could take. There's plenty of fights that Mayweather could could take. But because of McGregor's popularity and Mayweather's popularity, you combine the two, which are from dis- different disciplines and kind of a different fan base. You mix it into one arena, one pay-per-view, and the thought is everybody gets rich. But I just think this is a horrible look for everybody around with the exception maybe, maybe, of Conor McGregor. Like, Conor McGregor is the only guy who you might get a a pass to. Like, Floyd Mayweather's made more money than God anyway. And while you could say there's never too much of a good thing, yeah, there is. MMA having to go out of their discipline in order to find their dream fight and likely lose will hurt the mainstream image of MMA. Right, they don't have they don't have Ronda. What's the woman who won last weekend? I don't know how to pronounce her last name in uh, UFC one twenty one. It's Ujacek, right? Isn't it Ujacek? She's awesome. She's better than Ronda. She's a better pure fighter than Ronda, but she hasn't been able to capture our attention because we all felt like we were duped by Ronda. Right? There's Amanda Nunes. Like there's some, but none of them. We don't have McGregor. Hasn't been able to maintain being undefeated. He's fallible. Some of the other guys, GSP has been out. John Jones has outside of the octagon issues, right? So there's nobody we like, hey, that's the guy or that's the woman who is unbeatable. Everybody's chasing because of that. Like, it's just, it's popular, but it's not breaking through as much to the mainstream as maybe it should, considering how quickly it's become popular. And boxing, like, boxing is what it is. Every once in a while, we pretend to care about boxing, much like three times a year, we pretend to care about horse racing. But it seems like a bad look for boxing, a bad look for Floyd, a bad look for all parties, with the exception maybe of Conor McGregor, who can find a way to make, you know, eight or nine figures lose and still say, hey, it's not my discipline. Much like, you know, when he lost to Diaz, I think the first time he's like, "Eh, not really my weight class. But I guess the question becomes, are you at least going to uh, own up to the fact that you're going to buy this fight? Now, for the record, I have never purchased a fight. My dad, I remember we purchased like fights back in the old days. And we always felt, I remember, uh, I don't know if it was a Bone Crusher Smith fight, or the Larry Holmes fight with Mike Tyson. They would all end super quickly. And every time, but I'm never buying another fight ever again. What a joke. Don King got me again, right? But I've never bought a fight. Now, I'll gladly go over to your house if you have one. Uh, I watched the uh, Julio Cesar Chavez joke of a fight when Canelo demolished him two weeks ago. I watched somebody else put it on Facebook Live. I watched it. So I'll watch it bootleg in a heartbeat. I'm not. But there are millions of you who will. And, And the more you say, no, I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't, yes, you will. Like, we're all, I'm committed to getting in shape. I'm not going to eat fast food again. People still eat fast food. Those companies still make lots of money. I can't, I'm not going to watch, not going to watch pay-per-view Mayweather. I don't like Mayweather. I don't like McGregor. I don't like guys from different sports fighting against each other. I'm not going to buy, yes, you will. 
You watch the Pro Bowl, don't you? Some of you watch WWE and wonder why I know it's not a sport and it's just an act. Like, How many fasts and how many furious do they have to make before you go like, I'm not going to watch? You keep watching. Oh, dude, seven was really good. They just made a billion dollars with a B. But no one ever watches. Like, I don't go. I, I actually have not seen any of the Fast and Furious. Are they any good? And they have to be. They have to. At least the early ones have to be decent. Transformers. Lots of people are like, I've never seen. Tra- I'm not watching Transformers movies. I did. I watched the first one. It was good. It was good. And uh, what's her name? Was it Ashley Fox? Is that who the. Megan Fox? Megan Fox? Smoke show in that movie. She's weird, but smoke show. Absolute smoke show. Yes, Ryan. Did you pay? Well, I guess you said you didn't pay for the fight. How did you watch Mayweather Pacquiao? Uh, I was, I didn't go. Uh, I was in Vegas and they had a sort of. You watched it at a bar or something? Well, it was, I worked for CBS at the time and it was a Showtime pay-per-view. Okay. And so they had a party where we watched it. Do you think It was bad. The way people remember that fight being bad is going to affect at all what they think Mayweather McGregor is going to be? Yes, and then they'll say yes. <laughs> and then the same people are going to go like, I am never buying another Floyd Mayweather fight ever again. O'Connor McGregor? Okay. All right, Last fine. time. <laughs> and then they'll do exactly what people do with Vegas, right? They'll spend the money. They'll know it's a waste of money. And they'll go like, you know what? It's entertainment costs for the night. I had people over. It was $100. You know what? I got to watch the preliminary preliminary fights. I got to catch up with somebody. I can say that I watched it. Like, you watched the train wreck. So what? So many people will say they won't buy it, and yet millions upon millions will. Mayweather versus McGregor. You know, uh, Dan Byer shared the story of, uh, of, what was the story, that Eric Ebron has already announced that for the birth of his first kid, he is not going to miss the Steelers game, right? Which, as I said last hour, is a completely overrated statement. It's a three and a half, four hour window. Like either your wife can keep the baby in or you can have the baby before that. Like I'm not going to, this such, such fake tough guy news. You don't really know when the baby's coming. You have no idea. And it's pretty obvious that Ebron, he's trying to say like, look, I, I'm a football player. I want to be there for my teammates. That's where, where I, my bread is buttered. Like all that stuff sounds great. Like, look, if your baby comes early and it's in the NICU, you're going to be spending a ton of time away from your team and paying attention to your kid, and nobody's going to fault you for it because your kid's health is more important than uh, than any football game. That said, like, dude, let's also not act like you're needed. Right? Like, let's also not act like you're needed. Once the baby comes out, it's great to see your first kid, hold your first kid, and then turn it over to the professionals between your wife or girlfriend and the doctors, like, they got it. Like, I, I, when my son was born, I worked that night. It's not something heroic. It's your job. He's the newest quarterback to try and become the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Does Deshaun Watson understand the undertaking that's in front of him? And what's it like to be Bill O'Brien's hand-selected next quarterback? We'll ask Deshaun Watson next. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio rolls on. 
You can uh, hold the phone calls for a second, 877-996-6369. You can also uh, tell a friend to download the podcast on iTunes or go to the iHeart app. Of course, many of you listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 83. Uh, Let's welcome in the newest member of the Houston Texans. He's also a national champion and uh, here repping Panini America playing cards. Uh, It's Deshaun Watson. He joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Deshaun, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Good, man. Uh, It's been, I know, a kind of a whirlwind since the draft. Have you gotten a chance to catch your breath and understand all that's changed in your life? Uh, I did, actually. uh, A week after the draft, we didn't didn't start rookie camp until the next weekend. So, got a week to spend at home and uh, hang with the family and then, then, you know, right back to work. So, two months of straight work and uh, getting everything situated for the upcoming season. Okay, so take me back to that draft night where uh, lots of people are heaping your praise, but others, Pat Mahomes getting drafted before you, Mitch Trubisky getting drafted before you. Uh, when did you when did you know that Houston was going to happen? Uh, I did not know. Uh, I mean, I was just kind of going with the flow. Uh, you know, all I wanted really was my name to get called and, and whoever, you know, came and got me or decided to pick me. Um yeah, I was going to be excited for it. And once I seen Houston come up and got the phone call, uh, it was a blessing. So uh, it was great. Yeah, I mean, look, you get like a – they have an awesome team. I guess the best part about it, right? <laughs> like you're not going to some team that's total rebuild mode. You're going to a team that's loaded. Uh, Bill O'Brien said that he really challenged you when you guys met. What, what, did, what, was, what was the meeting before he was drafted, before you were drafted, what was that meeting with Bill O'Brien like? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it was very intense. It wasn't just Bill O'Brien in it. It was the whole offensive staff. So every coach, offensive lineman, assistant coach, receiver coach, running back, tight end, every coach was in that room. So it was like 12 to 15 coaches. So it was like me at the combine, you know, in those in that in the meeting room with all the whole coaching staff. But, but instead of 15 minutes, it was like an hour of just straight, you know, football giving me different looks, teaching me different things, giving me a lot of information to see if I can handle it and remember it. And um, no time to really just kind of review it. You just see how, how I would handle in the, the pressure and the situation and uh, see if I can retain, uh, maintain the, the information that they gave me. And I, I feel like I did a great job, and, and um, I'm guessing I did because they came up and got me. Yeah, no no question. You, you must have. But, like, when you walk – here's here's the thing. When I, you walk out of rooms like that, did you know you killed it? Or did you not? Did you you're like like when your your agent had to go like how'd it go? What did you What did you honestly think when you walked out of that room? I thought I killed it. You know, at the end I gave a little smirk to him, and uh, he he seen me do that. But uh, he knew I was a confident player, uh, a player that was you know smart and and uh, knew how to talk you know football, but at the same time was very very interested in learning. And I have so much more I, I need to gain from. So much more. Of just not just as a quarterback, but you know, as a football player, learn more about the game, and there's so much more uh, that I'm interested in and willing to work on my game to be able to learn. Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, look, I, I don't know if you like they they just haven't had a guy like the Bears haven't had one in 50 years. Miami's been searching for a quarterback, a great quarterback since Dan Reno. Like other teams have been searching for quarterbacks for, but the Texans since their inception have never had a guy that they've really loved and embraced. Do you understand? Has anybody explained to you the challenge that's in front of you to become really their first true franchise quarterback? 
Um, can you repeat that last part? Sorry, I mean, I, has, has anybody has, do you I, do you have a feel for the challenge in becoming oh. the first true franchise quarterback for the Texans? Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be real, real fun. Uh, but you know, my main focus right now is just running the, the organization, being the best teammate I can be. Uh, whatever my name is called and opportunities is, is uh, called upon, you know, take advantage of it. So, um, you know, that's that's for you know being the franchise guy, being the first one. I think it's pretty much for the fans, but my job is to do anything I can each and every day to help the team win um, and get 1% better. So, you know, my role is whatever role they ask me to do, I'm going to play it well and, um, you know, just try to have fun with it. Have you met, you met J.J. Watt yet, haven't you? I have. Uh, have you gone thrown around some tires or uh, down some protein shakes with him or saved America? <laughs> like he, that's that's kind of what he does on a daily basis, right? Nah, not at all. I think uh, that's how, that's kind of out my lead and, and out my position. That's more for the D line and linebackers and offensive line. So, you know, from quarterbacks, I do my stretching and, and do all the strength and stuff that you know the strength and conditioning coach want me to do. Well, the good thing is, like you you have you go into the defensive room and you say Jadavion on one side and JJ on the other and merciless and those guys you're like hey i'm so glad you guys are on my team i mean right, right? so much like yeah. there's, there's other monsters out there but you got two or three absolute monsters and they're on your side which means they'll never be able to touch you in practice and as long as you're in the texans they won't touch you in a game right exactly so uh it's, it's a uh, the situation i'm in is it's cool you know for all the quarterbacks in the system me weeding and, and savage you know we all get the you know, a great look each and every day, you know, going against one of the top defenses in the in the NFL. So, you know, once we step on the field on Sundays, um, you know, we should be going out there but really, you know, really prepared and, and ready for the game. Okay, and then, of course, you got Dre. You got DeAndre Hopkins out there on one side. Um, that's got – that's – you know, like for – obviously every Clemson fan is going to now be a – if they weren't a Texan fan to begin with. And there's plenty of you Clemson guys that are killing it in the NFL anyway. But now you get a chance, like – he wasn't there when you were there, but I know, you know, when you first started considering Clemson, he was. It's right. got to be amazing to get a chance to throw the ball to that guy. Yeah, it is, it is pretty cool just to be able to see how the, uh, how the whole situation just planned out. You know, he's one of the top receivers in the game, and he's going to be able to help me out, and hopefully I can be able to help him out, and, and um, we can do some big things. So, it was, uh, you know, two, all, two uh, Clemson guys on offense, with me and Dre and um, DeAndre, and then two guys on defense, Carlos Watkins and, and DJ Reader. So, you know, Texans are are becoming Clemson fans, of course. You know, there 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 were people that said, "Hey, this year we knew your team might not have been as good, but some of the things that you had to work on, some of the accuracy uh, in downfield throwing, were, were things that maybe dropped you on draft boards." And of course. The win in the national championship game, a lot of that came because it was the first time all year where, uh, you know, they really kind of allowed you to run the football, get back to showing some of that incredible athleticism. What are the things that, that Coach O'Brien says you need to continue to refine in order to, to get opportunities on the field with the first team? Uh, just the knowledge of the game. Uh, it's going to come with reps and experience. You know, it's, you know, you know, it's not really not my fault that I don't have any experience at the NFL level because I'm just not getting here. So, uh, just being patient, learning all things, learning the system, um, and controlling what I can control, and just being the best teammate I can be. You know, it's not about me; it's about uh, the Texans, Houston Texans. So, it's about everyone. Um, you know, all the guys that support the team, all the people that support the organization. And um, you know, I'm a you know big team guy. So, um, whatever whatever I can do to help the team win is is the ultimate goal. You know, you you uh, you have your own Panini America cards, football cards. 
Did you get to pick the picture? You're like, hey, look, if I'm going to go and rep the car, it's like I got to pick the picture. I got to pick something that looks really cool. No, I didn't even get to choose. They they chose that. So it's, uh, it's not a too bad picture, though. Yeah. So do you did you are you gonna frame one? You gonna send? You do you have like your own special selection? Like, hey, I got this one. I'm gonna send it to like that. That actually could be your business card, right? Just keep a <laughs> stack of them in your back. Then anytime time somebody introduces you, you just shake your hand and instead of giving them like a business card, you give them a football card. Like, oh, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that can happen. But I'd rather change the picture if I'm gonna do that. I'd rather be in a, a business suit or something. Um, I I I don't know how. To, to look back on the Alabama game from my perspective. Like, I thought it would be a game to which you would show out. I felt like it was like it was the culmination of so much. You know, you had the knee injury. You were such a big recruit. It was your second opportunity to get a chance to play uh, in that college football playoff series. When you close your eyes now, what's the thing that 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you get your kids around you and they ask you to tell you about the Alabama game, what are you going to remember most? Honestly, probably, of course, the the last you know the last play, but really just the the lead up to the game uh, with all my teammates and the locker room talks um, at halftime, before the game, after the game, um, on the sideline, the emotions. Um, not so much of making this throw or, or making that throw. I might remember some of it and, and making a couple of runs, but at the same time, just really just the emotion and, and how people reacted and, and carried themselves. It's an ama- it was an amazing way to end an amazing college career. Now you get a chance to a- a- to start an incredible professional career. You know what everybody's saying, right? You know that everybody believes you're going to be the starter at some point in time this year. How do you handle that with Tom? Like Tom's been there. He's w- how do you handle the like shaking hands and like look at whatever? How- have you have you mentioned it to him? Is there any ice breaking that takes place? How do you handle the idea that everybody believes you're ultimately going to be the guy and you're just trying to be humble and learn? Uh, just because we're not, you know, we're not focused on that. We're, we're right now we're focusing on trying to get one percent better each and every day. And whatever happens is, is that, that's all that you know. That's up to uh, Coach O'Brien and all the staff. So our job is to go out there whenever our opportunity come, make each other better, uh, compete, but at the same time support each other um, because we're only as good as uh, everyone on the team. So if all you know all of us on the same page and have the same uh, mentality, then we'll be just fine. So uh, we leave that to all the you know all the people that's above us. We just do our job and. You know, we're, we're we're good people in the room, so we always have fun and joke around, and it's all love. All right, these uh, Deshaun Watson's first ever NFL trading card, featuring his likeness in a Texans uniform, will be available at PaniniInstant.com. That's PaniniInstant.com. He's in L.A. with Panini America, exclusive trading card partner of the NFL and the NFLPA for the NFL Rookie Premier. Deshaun, congrats on being selected in the first round, getting a chance to take that incredible defense, incredible team back to the playoffs, and we really appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, that's uh, Deshaun Watson, quarterback, Houston Texans. That's got to be weird, right? Hey, I'm the guy to take your job. But let's hang out and just kind of learn together. No, no, it's good. Uh, you, go ahead. Take, no, listen, tell me what you know. Give me all the tricks you know, all the secrets you know, so that I can ultimately be the quarterback of this team. Come back from that knee injury and coming back for another year to beat Alabama, to accomplish the task in which I'm dominating Ohio State, beating Alabama, and the way in which they beat Alabama on that final drive, that's 
That's incredible stuff. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Overtime rules are set to change in the NFL, but no matter what they change, it won't match up to this change. Tell you what this is after we find out what's trending. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to get a more confident car buying experience. So, uh, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk reports that, uh, actually it's uh, Judy Batista from the NFL Media, says that the NFL owners are expected to reduce preseason and regular season overtime from 15 to 10 minutes in May. Uh, Florio uh, editorializes on its own. It's a bad idea, very bad idea. With the two-possession rule, it will result in more ties. It won't necessarily result in a significant, significantly fewer plays from scrimmage since teams could move with a greater sense of urgency in a 10-minute overtime. Yeah, that's a, the, the problem is this, in, uh, this, this knee-jerk reaction. What is, what is the greatest rule change in the history of sports? I, I don't necessarily think it's even a close second. Like, to me, in basketball, the three-point line has forever changed the sport and changed it for the better. Because it used to be the old, old-fashioned bully ball, throw it inside to the biggest guy. You ever watched youth basketball? Or you remember growing up, like the big kid would get the ball and there'd be 15 kids around him, like five kids coming off the bench, and just the biggest kid would score. And look, we've probably gone too much the other way where it's too spread out, but at least it allows the remarkable athleticism of so many of these guys to uh, to show itself. But even that, I think, pales in, pales in comparison to the greatest rule change in all of sport. Changing the two-point conversion, changing the one, the PAT, and moving it back in the National Football League is the greatest change we've ever seen. Think about it. Think about the rate. People, they used to make, it used to be a 99.9% shot on extra points. We would go years without a missed extra point in the NFL. Nobody nobody misses a PAT, right? Like a, it's a ninety nine percent shot. To now, you're talking in the low nineties, and in the low nineties, it's a it's a legitimate decision as to whether you go for one or go for two. It changes games. It changes strategy. It changes the percentage of times in which you'll go for it. Hey, the Steelers last year and a couple other teams tinkered with the idea of. What if we went for two every time? And sometimes it does backfire. Backfired for Oregon football this year against Nebraska. It backfires at times in the NFL. It helped the Oakland Raiders. Remember when the Raiders came from behind and beat the Saints on the road? Like, they only got it two out of three times, but they went for it three times. So, by my estimate, it's it's made the least exciting play in football the most exciting play in football. And oh yeah, by the way, it just makes sense. Why do we make it so hard for you to score points in football and then we just give away a point? 
Like, wait, you got to go 100 yards just to get six points, but you got to go one yard to get a seventh point? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, to me, I think this is a – it's a fine rule change. It's like, look, we need to get over – it's a regular season. If we had regular season ties, I wouldn't be opposed to it. If they did – if they if they mimicked – if they mimicked uh, the NHL, took a guy off the field, wouldn't be opposed to it. You know, if they really want to speed it up, let's get back to, you know, you can go to the NHL thing and give everybody some sort of, have a point system, tie score. We go to overtime, you get an additional point, whatever, for winning in overtime. That's fine. And you could go whoever touches the football first gets a chance to win the game. You know, can can win the game on a field goal. That's fine. A tie is not a crazy idea. I'll tell you the other rule change that needs to take place. The NBA needs one and one. Like, think about the NBA. The court is 94 feet, longest court, 50 feet wide, widest court. The lane line is wider than college. The three-point line is deeper than any other any other uh, level of basketball. The shot clock is 24 seconds, which is the shortest. And FIFA has that as, FIFA has that as well. Only eight seconds to get it across. You know, you get only eight seconds to get it from, uh, to the midcourt line. So we want you to play faster. Shorter possessions, shoot from deeper against better competition. All the rules are made to make it tougher because it's the best competition in the world. And yet, once you get into the bonus, you automatically get two free throws. Why? Why shouldn't there be more pressure on better players to make those free throws? Yeah, I believe that that the rule change that will help the NBA and make it more interesting and look, I would also do away with the idea you can foul a guy who doesn't have the basketball. Is not making that's not a basketball play. The DeAndre Jordans of the world. It doesn't mean you can't hack those guys, but you can't hack them when they don't have the ball. That's an intentional foul. That's not a foul to be made on in a basketball play. But I have no problem with this rule. People freaked out when they changed the uh, the extra point thing. They said it wouldn't have any effect. Pro kickers make everything inside of 40 until they didn't. Now they're missing, they're hooking, they're getting nervous. Teams are calculating 94% of two of one-point conversions are made as opposed to if we can just get to 51% of our two-point conversions, it's smarter to go for two than it is to go for one. I think that's the best rule change in sport, and I don't mind changing the overtime. Everybody in sports is trying to figure out how do we get this thing done sooner. Games are lasting longer because they're throwing the football more. And for the regular season, at some point, you got to say, we got it. We understand it. We're good. What did the Fox say? Drew Brees was on Dan Patrick. Wait to hear what he had to say about NFL investigations. You might have heard it earlier on Fox. We react to it. Upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. When things come out of left field, having a game plan matters. Farmers Insurance has over 89 years of experience helping people play through every stage of the game. We've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. Visit Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Uh, as uh, as we tweeted out, as uh, my man Mike Fowler, who uh, 
who uh, one of one of the several people I'm, I'm in charge of our social media department, right? Mike Fowler and Big Mike, they both handle a lot of the social stuff. Um, they tweeted out, we have the best lineup in sports radio. And with that, we'd like to pay umbrage to it a little bit on a daily basis. Bring back for you the best sound or quote or interview of the day. That's when we play What Did the Fox Say? And now... Super Bowl champion quarterback and future Hall of Famer Drew Brees was on with Dan Patrick earlier today on Fox Sports Radio. He had this to say about whether or not you can trust NFL investigations. You know, look at what happened to the Patriots and Brady. Look at what happened with, you know, the way that the Ray Rice case was handled and the Adrian Peterson and just a a number of others. I just don't think anybody would trust a league-led investigation right now. There's no credibility there. Um, There's no transparency. That's the problem is that we all know that there's an agenda at play and and that we don't have a say or any type of a voice with it or certainly any type of oversight. So, you know, they're going to do what they want to do. Look, I... I understand that the Saints are still bitter, but they're bitter for the wrong reasons. Like they did other teams have bounties probably, but the Saints were the one who were told to cut it out. The Saints were the ones who didn't cut it out after they were told to cut it out, and the Saints were the ones where there was audio of Greg Williams at a night before uh pep talk talking about money for knocking players out of the game. A lot of a lot of what happened with the Saints is bad luck in terms of timing. When they were punished, it was also during a time which the NFL was being sued because of their concussion protocol issues in the past, because they wanted to make themselves look like they really valued player safety. It's a league that's increasingly and incredibly dangerous to play to play in. Um, but, like, look... When the commissioner of the league tells you to stop doing something and you don't stop doing it and you're caught doing it, there's video, there's audio of you doing it, you're you're challenging their authority. Of course, Roger Goodell is going to strike you down with great vengeance. Yes, Ryan. Is the problem with what the NFL did and why people have such a problem with it is you also compare it to the deflate gate thing with Tom Brady, is that it seems like the punishments were extremely harsh. Yeah for what actually transpired. Not that they got punished, but that they were very harsh penalties. Uh, yeah, like, look, the Brady thing was extra harsh. And I think, I honestly think the Brady thing was extra harsh because they thought the Brady thing would ultimately get knocked down. Like, you suspend him for four games, and ultimately they thought it would be a game or two. And apparently, and they likely offered up, hey, if you'll come clean, we'll give you just a game. And he said, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking that. So, uh and I don't, I don't, I think they were actually fairly transparent. I do, you know, I do think that they were harsh with the Saints, but I think the reason they were most harsh with the Saints was like Mickey Loomis. Like he was the one who got the memo from the NFL telling him to cut it out. I mean, their head coach, Sean Payton, he's in charge of the team. So, you know, and Greg Williams was out of football for a year because of it. These are the guys that, it is, it's their job to manage their players. It's their job to make sure that they're not taking cheap shots, not trying to hurt people. But the issue is— I had no problem with the Saints, Saints bounty gate. Right. I guess just what the problem is is when you give out those type of penalties, everyone wants to compare them to, like, the other penalties. So it's like, oh, well, Ray Rice, two games for what he did to Janae. Like, Ray that- Rice, two games, was, the, was, the, stri- was right. the strongest penalty ever given to anybody who had uh, 
who had inflicted domestic violence on somebody else in the NFL. Do you know that? And Ray Rice, the, the, if people have a problem with Ray Rice, they need to have a problem with the state of New Jersey. He got no jail time. It was a pretrial diversionary program. Like, we have so much problem with NFL leagues disciplining players. We don't have any pro- We have no problem with our own justice system not disciplining people who did this to women. So, um, I think it's just, I, I think we, we involve ourselves too much. The NFL probably shouldn't be involved in if there's a domestic violence case, if it didn't occur on the field, this was th- this was a part of not just quali- standard of play, but also player safety. And Drew's still bitter about it. Here's Drew Brees on concussions. I guess I've had one documented concussion, and that was that was back in 2004, the 2004 season when I was playing for the Chargers. I obviously remember the event, the hit, and everything, and and I knew that something was not right, and I knew that I was concussed, but. I didn't take myself out of the game. I, mean, I stayed in the game and yeah. played as long as I could until finally a coach pulled me aside and was like, I'm, I'm looking out for you here, and, and you're not going to play anymore because I know something's not right. But if it wasn't for him, I wasn't pulling myself out of the game. Yeah, pl- players players know when they're kind of not right, and they still want to play anyway. That's the juxtaposition that so many of these NFL teams have is that they know they're hurt, they know they're not right, and even they wouldn't do anything about it. That's what the Fox said. So you can download the entirety of that Drew Brees interview. And this, of course, all coming from Giselle Bunchton, Tom Brady's wife, saying that Brady had a concussion last year and he's had plenty of concussions, but they don't talk about it, even though she did, in fact, talk about it. She violated the first rule of Fight Club. And the second rule of Fight Club, to be completely honest with you. And the second. So... Look, I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an I'm NFL front office guy, but I understand Deflate Gate. I thought they went overboard. They didn't have proof. I definitely understand Bounty Gate, and people overlook the facts. Upcoming next, why the All NBA teams are not only out but wrong and could hurt the NBA. That's next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the city of angels, Los Angeles, California, home of the Rams, the Chargers, and sometime before 2030, a new stadium, which they will cohabitate. And you, you heard that story from Dan Byer, if you're listening to our sports update. Um, historic rains in California, right? That That is a... That is a that is an oxymoron, right? But it hadn't rained in like seven years, eight years. And then it did rain a lot. It did rain a lot. So they got construction delays. And it's going to push it back a year. Like a year out, you're like, you know what? Well, this is smart. This is smart. It's like um, last night we went to, my wife and I, my wife's in town, went to dinner uh, with a, a couple good friends of ours. And we had a feeling we'd be running late. We weren't running late. It was like seven o'clock dinner. My wife's the type of person who... She likes when you say seven, she likes being there at six fifty five. She doesn't like the showing up casually late. There has never been a place where we've gone as a couple to which we weren't the first ones there. Which is fine. Like there's a balance between me who like I'm like, I show up when I show up. Like, hey, I really need to be there right at seven. Anyway, so we got back to our hotel at I don't know, it was six fifteen. She wanted to shower. And she's like, I think we're going to be running late. And I said, well, send the text now that we might be running 10 to 15 minutes late, as opposed to the worst thing in the world is 
you get there and it's like 7.05. You're like, where are they? You get the text, I'm running 10 to 15 minutes late. Right? Like you don't want to be say, say that you're delayed right when you're supposed to be there. But if you say that you're delayed an hour before you're supposed to be there, 45 minutes, now it's like, well, there's no level of expectations of me going crazy in traffic to make sure I get there on time. Does that make sense? That's what they're doing. Like they're going to, what is it, undersell and try and over-deliver with the stadium. Like, ah, you know what? We won't be ready till 2020. Meanwhile, is it really that hard to get this thing built? You know? Is it really that hard? Couldn't we get this thing going? Anyway, fascinating. Fascinating. It's hard to build stuff in Southern California because it's got the seismic concerns. you got all the environmental issues. Uh, you know, plus, this one's literally underneath a landing pattern. Right, so every every five minutes, like, Shh, what'd you say? How big? <laughs> you, you, you. Well, the land was cheap for a reason. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, it's not going to be reached. It got, not going to be cheap to sign Gordon Hayward or uh, Paul George, but cheaper than you would have thought. That's because neither Paul George nor Gordon Hayward, were on any of the first three All-NBA teams. And there's this clause. It's, it was a little-known clause. Now it's become a fairly well-known clause called the DPE, Designated Player Extension. A player qualifies for the D, DPE, which can be given, uh, used to be given a player to a, a contract extension or sign him as a free agent if he does one of the following. If he makes one of the three All-NBA teams or is named to either Defensive Player of the Year or Most Valuable Player in the previous season, or he has made one of the three All-NBA teams or been named a Defensive Player of the Year in two of the, of the prior three seasons of the league's Most Valuable Player in one of the three previous seasons. Crucial stipulation is he has to be on the team that drafted him or has been traded on his rookie deal to another team. That means Steph Curry, DeMarcus Cousins, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, Gordon Hayward are all eligible for this exception, while Kevin Durant, because it's not his initial team, nor was he traded during his rookie contract, is not eligible for that exception to the salary cap. So Paul George and Gordon Hayward left off the All-NBA teams. That means the the Pacers and Jazz lose the chance to re-sign them to a five-year, $207 million Supermax deal. But we're missing on, we're we're missing something that's a big portion of the All NBA teams, the fact that All NBA teams are decided one based upon the success of your team more so than the quality of player, and two based upon position. Because how else is Rudy Gobert? How else is Rudy Gobert the recipient of forty three first team votes? 43. He actually has the th- sixth highest point total in votes. Should be pointed out that somebody didn't vote LeBron James. Somebody didn't vote Russell Westbrook. First team all NBA. Do you guys know that? Like, look, you can tell me that Russell Westbrook's not the MVP. You mean to tell me a guy that set a record for the number of triple doubles in the history uh, one season in the history of the NBA isn't a fir- doesn't have a first team all NBA season? Like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Who's the guy? Because the guy who does that just wanted to be that guy. 
And that's what he, he's at home tonight going, hey, baby. Hey. Come here. Come here. And check this out. She's like, what is that? This is the uh, all-NBA team. Oh, that's nice. Uh, James Harden won, LeBron James too. Oh, that's weird. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook didn't get all the picks. Rudy Gobert, really? God, I like I like the Jazz, but but isn't Gordon Hayward better? Yeah, but that's not really the point here. Okay, don't don't lose it. See how one guy in the entire world didn't vote for J- LeBron James and Russell Westbrook to be first team All NBA? Yeah, I'm that guy. Oh, honey, you're so bold. Like that's I honestly that's gotta be what this guy thinks is is like gonna gonna get. He's gonna walk into a bar tonight somewhere. Probably a guy in Oakland, right? Some writer. And go, huh? Drinks on me. I'm the guy. It's a weird list, right? Where there's no Golden State Warriors on the first team all NBA. Wait, you have two guys who have won the last three MVP awards, but none of them are the top five players in the NBA this year? Mm, okay. And Draymond Green, who averaged 10 points a game, is third team all NBA? Like he's one of the top 15 players in the NBA? No, he's not. He didn't have a better year than than Gordon Hayward, than Paul George. He didn't have Kemba Walker, by the way, gets slighted in this thing. I'm not sure he had a better year than Clay Thompson on his own team. Very good defensive player. Possibly defensive player of the year. That that might be why. But the big thing is you had to vote for big guys. So that's why Anthony Davis made the first team and Rudy Gobert made the second team. And DeAndre Jordan made the third team. Come on, stop. Gordon Hayward's the best player in the Jazz. He belongs in uh, over Rudy Gobert on that second team. And Anthony Davis, is we're, now we're just like, he's a great player. His team sucks. We're still putting him on there. And we don't like DeMarcus Cousins, even though he was having a great year. And so we're not going to put him on there. But the, the, what this will, what, here's what's going to happen. Right? What's going to happen is because all NBA teams are going to get into the wallet of NBA players. NBA players will be like, yo, you guys, you, you NBA voters, you guys either got to take this seriously or players themselves have to start voting on it. Because previous to this, it was only slightly better than all-star voting. Like all-star voting, like, eh. Whoever played on Yao's team always made it because of China, right? Like all-star voting doesn't matter. Unless there's a huge bonus, there's not much bonuses. When you start talking about the difference between a max contract and a super max contract, guys are going to start taking this all NBA voting seriously. And they will start chastising the wannabe sexy guy, uh, AP writer, who, who just to be that guy leaves LeBron and Russell Westbrook off first team all NBA. When nobody with a, with a cent of intelligence in their mind wouldn't tell you they're one of the top five players of in the NBA this year. Yes. Music. We have one NBA player has already chimed in on this, Doug, via Twitter. Go ahead. CJ McCollum, Portland trailblazers said crazy how expensive those all NBA votes were this year. I wonder how much longer the NBA will allow this to be a deciding factor. Told you. Told you. CJ's a smart dude. I could, there could be more, but that's the first one that I saw so I'm, far. I'm, t- I'm telling you that's going to happen. All these guys are like, dude, I never paid attention. Like, I know all NBA teams, right? It's, it's kind of like in, in football. All pro teams are more, are more accurate representation of somebody's greatness than Pro Bowls. 
But if they started giving out contracts or the size of contracts were based upon whether or not you made all pro or didn't make all pro, we would be paying much more attention to who votes for the all pro team in the National Football League. Do, 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 do. Luke Walton's going to join us upcoming next, isn't he? The head coach of the Lakers. So many things to get to. But I think at some point I got to ask him about LeVar Ball. Maybe not necessarily what took place yesterday um, with Colin Cowherd, but just the whole LeVar Ball, his constant presence, not just at his son's games, but on TMZ, on TV shows, on radio shows. Have they at least had a discussion on how they would manage the LeVar Ball situation? Like to, to me, this is it's no different than when you're coaching. Like really good coaching does not always result in a win. Really good coaching gives the players the best opportunity to win. And the way you give a team the best opportunity to put their best foot forward is you prepare them every situation. I've been to practices where coaches will go and you're not just going to take inbounds passes from the designated spot. You take it all up and down the sidelines. You change the clock based upon number of seconds. You create, you want to create every different scenario for your team so that when they get in the game, everybody's like, oh, I've done this before. Four seconds left, length of the court. I know what exactly what play we're running. I know exactly how it's going to happen. Well, we got two seconds left, 2.2 seconds left from the side of the court, but just closer to the corner. Okay, I know that play. We've done this before, right? So it's it's the old failing to prepare is preparing to fail. I don't know if the Lakers are absolutely positively going to draft Lonzo Ball, but you can't have the idea of drafting Lonzo Ball in your thoughts and not think, how are we going to manage the LeVar Ball situation. It still may fail. Lonzo still might end up not being good enough. LeVar could be too big a distraction. But if you haven't at least planned a possible uh, way of handling it, then you're you're either destined or more like the percentages sway and the more likely to fail than likely to succeed. I'll ask Luke Walton about that. I'll ask him about now working for Magic and how that changes in one year from working for Mitch Kupchak. And I'll ask him about uh, Steve Kerr and whether or not he thinks it has a legit effect on the Warriors, him not being on the sideline during their playoff run. Of course, he's a former assistant there. Luke Walton of the Lakers joins us next. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Do you guys know about this uh, Joey, Batista, uh, Joey Bats uh, controversy uh, last night? You, you familiar with it there, uh, music? Uh, I, I know that it was another bat flipping thing. Yeah. So I know that's sort of the uh, hot button thing to do in the MLB. People don't like grandstanding, if you will. Well, um, you know, look, the the Braves are mad at Joey Batista for his uh, for his bat flipping. He hit a home run, and remember, um, Joey Batista is a shell of the player that he used to be. Uh, he was a free agent this past off season. That after hitting just two thirty four. Last year, 22 home runs, injury plagued. I mean, like, look, I'll admit, had he played 150 games like he played the two previous years, he still hits 
30 or so home runs, drives in 85, 90 runs. Last year, because he only played 116, 22 home runs, 69 RBI, walked 87 times, and he was still on base about the same amount of time. Right? He was still on base 36% of the time. So the batting average, not terribly indicative of how good he was, but he wasn't as good as he had been. He was 35 years old, free agent. But the big thing with Joey, Joey Bats was, Jose, Petit, Jose Batista, was that it was really hard for other teams in his division to sign him, like the Baltimore Orioles that had some interest because nobody likes him. You know, he's that um, rare baseball player who goes from a career high of 16 home runs in his mid-20s to 54 home runs when he goes to Toronto at 29 years old, 43 home runs at uh, 30 years old, right? He's a late, <clears throat> late bloomer. Very late. He just figured it out, right? All of a sudden, that uh, curveball didn't quite fool him anymore. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he found a hat for a bat. Maybe Joe Boo wasn't scared of curveballs anymore. I don't know. But Jose Batista, Jose Batista went uh, from 13 home runs in 113 games to 54 the following year, which is monster, monster numbers. And then at age 30, led the league in home runs, walks, slugging, OPS, OPS plus. So, like, what I think you have to remember to factor in here, like, should the Braves get all hot and bothered about a bat flip? Probably not. I mean, he hammered a baseball for a guy who'd been struggling. That's only his sixth home run of the year. He's hitting just two oh eight, and he has just 19 RBI. On the other hand, like, look, baseball pleased itself quite well. They don't want, uh, they don't, every time Joey Batista strikes out, and so far this year he's struck it out 49 times. Like, all right, every time you strike out, are you cool with us punching you out? Are you cool with as soon as you strike out going, ha, right? Oh, you're not? Well, then we're not really that cool with you, with you bat flipping. And, and you didn't write the unwritten rules of baseball, neither did I. Baseball players themselves are like, look, this is not how we want to purport ourselves. No reason to Cadillac when you're going around the bases. And no reason to completely show up the pitcher when you hit a home run, especially when you've been struggling all year. Like you hit a home run, you put your head down, you run around, and you can slap fives and do whatever you want once you cross that home plate. But but here's the bigger thing. The the kerfuffle last night in Atlanta, between the Blue Jays, those those rivals, the Blue Jays and the Braves, right? I hate, I hate fifteen teams in each division. So we have interleague all the time. I just I despise that. We have interleague every series throughout the season. There's every every week, every series. There's going to be an interleague series because of the number of teams. Physically impossible unless you give two teams off. Um. The, the kerfuffle of both teams coming off the bench and nearly coming to blows is not over just one bat flip. It's the, the, the culmination of multiple bat flips, reputation, the fact that he's a, 
late bloomer, right? <clears throat> late bloomer. And that just nobody likes Joey Batista. That's it. That's really what it comes down to. Let's welcome in the coach of the Lakers who, uh, he didn't win the lottery, but he came really, really close. The, all that really matters is where they got one of the top three picks. You guys all know that had they not gotten one of the top three picks, where they would have not gotten a, not gotten that pick this year, a lottery pick this year. Luke Walton, head coach of the Lakers, joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Luke, how are you? I'm good, good. How are you doing? Sorry good, man. Going in a couple minutes late. No worries, dude. Uh, okay, so let's start with the other night. Magic, yeah. magic had wink, wink, nod, nod. We got this thing. I've had people tell me inside your guys' room there was a lot of there was a lot of tenseness, a lot of nerves. What did you honestly feel going into the lottery? Well, you know, I think first of all, Magic nod, nod, wink, wink, because he believes in you know when you do things the right way, uh, good things work out, and I think they they have for him in his life, and I have a very similar. Uh, belief system and you know we you know around here we're trying to to get the lakers back on top and we played the end of the season uh you know to win games and and compete and get our young guys better and because of that obviously we wanted to keep the pick but we felt we felt like we had the basketball gods on our side and and we are gonna we're gonna be uh you know we're gonna have a plan whether we got the pick or not so i won't lie to you and tell you i wasn't stressed as that last fourth card came out um but you know it was you know we we felt confident either way that we're going to get this thing turned around and going in the right direction all right you you just mentioned that we played to win at the end of the year there's a lot of people that will dispute that you know when you guys traded lou williams away it was like yo they're playing young players young players is the translation for we want to lose uh, Mark Cuban has made waves saying, even as late as yesterday, saying like, hey, look, we were trying to lose games at the end of the year because we needed to get a, a better pick. Honestly, ha- w- were you trying to uh, win or lose games? To, we're trying to, we're always trying to win. Um, you know, I, I think with a, as much losing as we've done here the last couple of years, uh, it, it, it becomes uh, part of who you are. It's why the really good teams will will play like, like crap one night and still find a way to to win a game because they've they've developed uh, into a winning culture, a winning organization. They just that's who they become, and we're trying to get away from that losing. Um, trading Lou, obviously, he was you know probably our most efficient player, but that wasn't to that wasn't trying to uh, to lose. Uh, he was a guy that we depended on to do so much and because of how, what kind of year he was having uh all a lot of the young guys we just we kept leaning on him to make it all the plays down the stretch and we knew we weren't going to make the playoffs and we just felt like if we could get you know if we could get a draft pick to help us in the future and force these young guys to really uh, to really learn and, and do it, do it for themselves, and, and not have him to kind of to kind of be a crutch as far as uh, making plays down the stretch of games. Uh, it just felt like what was best for the development of, of the young the young core. 
some of it was you, you developing your own sense of how you wanted to coach this group, right? I mean, like when you had been the head coach last year with Golden State, like that that was still somebody else's team. That was that core had been together previously, and so this is a chance for you to put your own stamp on your own team. What did you learn from this year's experience? Um, I learned that we got a great group of, of, of players here, uh, and, and even though that the losing was really hard. Um, you know, for me and for for the organization, the fans and whatnot, uh, we have guys that that are going to be really good in this league. And uh, you know, by by putting in uh, the basic foundation of of the way we want to play and the way we want to compete and practice, um, you know, wanting to be an unselfish team, even though there was plenty of games this year we weren't. You know, it's it, nothing ever just happens overnight. This is this is getting the stuff in place that needs to be there um, for you know the years to come as these young players uh, develop into you know into to grown men and really really understand how hard it is to win at this level and what it takes. We would hope to have that foundation set, and that was kind of the the main point of going into this year was not being overly concerned with wins and losses, even though that's hard to do. Uh, and it was very challenging at times throughout the year to constantly keep them uh, in our minds what the main thing was. And that's set, help, you know, setting that strong foundation for the Har- future. Harder than you thought? Much harder. It makes perfect sense in my head. It makes perfect sense when you draw it out on paper. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of emotions and and uh, and pressure involved with it, so it's uh, it's much more difficult. But the challenge is uh, incredibly exciting. The the feeling of pulling into the parking lot every day, knowing that we're working uh, on a common goal with the coaches and the players, is is uh, is something as a basketball junkie I I, I absolutely love and. And, uh, and look forward to each and every morning. Luke Walton, head coach of the Lakers, joining us, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You were hired by the previous regime, so then Magic and Rob Palinka come in, and uh, Jeannie Buss, who I know you know you had played back when she was more involved in the team. Um, you know, she she takes back over the team. W- what was that first meeting like when all these changes take place? Like, look, you're still a Laker, you still got a great reputation, but somebody other than the people who hired you take over. Uh, as your bosses mid-season through your first year, what was that first meeting like? That well, you know, obviously that was uh, it was different. It was strange, um, and I had a great relationship. I have a great relationship with Jimmy and with Mitch. And uh, you know, when that happens middle of the season, it kind of catches you by surprise. But to me, uh, the most important thing at that time was to make sure that you know our players were still going to be you know be focused and 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 be at practice and, and and doing what they need to do um and then when you know i had time to sit down with Jeannie and talk to her on the phone um she was incredible she 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 was very supportive she said that she was completely behind me being the coach of this team for a long time and um that i had nothing to worry about so um even though i kind of you know live by the idea of look if it's something that's out of my control i don't i don't like to spend my energy and time worrying about it uh it was still very comforting hearing uh 
you know, her telling me that that she was fully in support of, of me coaching and, and leading this team. You know how it works in Southern California when there's a guy who's from Southern California. Like everybody thought Kevin Love would be playing. He's not even from Southern California, but because uh, his wife's from here, uh, because he played at UCLA, you know, everybody thought he'd eventually be here. Everybody thinks Paul George eventually here. But you you will have the opportunity with the second pick to possibly take a shot at at Lonzo Ball. Um, has, have you guys at least had a discussion as to the off the court stuff with any of these players, the idea of how you would manage more than just the player. If you were to draft a player that had something else going on outside of just basketball. Yeah. But just the, just the very beginning stages of it, you know, it's, uh, it's something now that we know we have the pick, uh, you know, we, we're going to take a deep look into all these top players, um, and, and what their, you know, what their backgrounds like, what kind of character do they have, uh, all sorts of uh, variables that have nothing to do with playing the game of basketball. And then we're going to evaluate how we think they play the game of basketball. And we're going to gather all that information and sit down as a group and come up with, uh, you know, whatever player we think is the best fit for us and the player that's most likely going to help us get back to the promised land. Um, you've seen Lonzo play, though, right? I've seen him play. I, I, I love his game. He's one of my favorite. You know, you've seen me play, and I've seen you play. We're both very unselfish basketball players. So I think we would both appreciate the beauty of a player that uh, really gets his teammates involved and constantly makes everyone around him better and, and values the you know the sharing and the ball movement. Uh, and he does that better than off you know first thought you know better than anyone since Jason Kidd coming out of college so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his game um, but obviously when the season's going on there's not a ton of other time to really dive into the college players it, it, so if, if somebody says oh it's a foregone conclusion this is happening what, how would you respond no I mean that's that'd be naive of us to just say that we're taking him if he's available at two you know there's uh, there's a lot of really, really, really talented players in this draft, and we're going to do our due diligence. We're going to study film. We're going to interview people. We're going to make sure that when it comes time for us to pick, we're very confident about uh, whatever player that's going to end up being. All right, la- last thing. Uh, I know you got to run. we got to run as well. Uh, up where you used to be, Steve Kirk continues to battle uh, with the back issues. Uh, he was in the locker room last game. From your perspective, having been in Mike Brown's chair, how how difficult is that going to be if they get into the finals and Steve still isn't able to be on the sideline? How much do you think that changes the Warriors? It definitely changes. It, you know, Steve's the Steve's the the main man up there, and he's the one that kind of got the the whole team to buy into that culture of that the unselfish basketball make plays for your teammates make the extra pass and then even then with the, they make a, an additional extra pass so uh you know he's 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 the guy that kind of got that in play and and he he's constantly looking at the game from his view which obviously is uh, you know he's a he's a very very good coach um so when you're playing, you know the the elite teams and those adjustments need to be made on the move. It's gonna, you know, it's it's gonna be a lot different not having Steve doing that. 
Um, but I think Mike's done a great job uh, in taking over that and keeping it going. And, and what I know from my personal experience is those players up there are extremely professional, and they take a lot of pride in what they do, and they're going to do their very best to – you know, not take advantage of a situation, but to try to make it the best for everybody. And they're going to do their part in, in making sure that they're playing the right way and, and playing the way that gives them the best chance of winning. Well, look, man, I'm so glad you got a chance to allow us to catch up with you. I know you still got some tinkering to do to your staff. And, uh, you know, you, you know whose side of the aisle I sit on in regards to what you're going to do here in the upcoming weeks. Uh, thanks for being our guest. And uh, we'll catch up soon in person, okay? I appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you. All right, that's Luke Wall. He's got a big smile on his face because we're talking about something that you guys don't know what we're talking about, but he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Does that make any sense? All right, quick, let's find out what's trending. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, thought that was very honest of Luke. He was like, look, I love the way he plays. And then I asked him, foregone collusion going to draft him? Like, no, man, I haven't seen everybody play yet. But... Um, you're going to hear a lot of the Jason Kidd comparisons and people like I've never understood when somebody com- compares you to a Hall of Fame player. Jason Kidd's a Hall of Fame player, right? Like you'll get you'll get his dad saying like, "Well, he's not not anything like Jason Kidd." We're like, all right, is he the exact same player? No, but they're, by the way, they're about the same. They're both taller, right? They're Jason Kidd's six four, Lonzo Ball's six five ish, six six. Okay. They're both faster than they are quick. They're both incredibly creative passers. And if you want to say that Lonzo's a better shooter at this point in his career, I wouldn't argue with you. He's not as powerful, as dynamic a driver as Jason Kidd was at this point in time. But if somebody says, I'm going to compare you to Jason Kidd, you know what the proper answer is? Thank you. That's like when somebody's like, you know, you're just like a Colin Cowherd. Thank you. Right? I mean, the dumbest thing ever. Oh, compared to Jason. I like Jason Kidd. Like, all right, fine. Oh, man. Man. All right, we, uh, we, we seem to be missing what Giselle was saying yesterday without saying it yesterday. Giselle Bungeton said... Hey, Tom Brady had a concussion last year. He's had plenty of them. What was she really saying? Find out next as we get to the press on the Doug Gottlieb Show. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio rolls on. If you missed our Luke Walton interview... Our Deshaun Watson interview, our Nick Wright interview. Download the podcast and remember to not only subscribe, but also rate the podcast. Let's get you updated on what you might have missed. Here's the press. The press. Dan Beyer comes in. He's got stories galore. Dan, what do you got for me? This, that, and a lot, Doug. Let's just start out with the Lakers. As you were just talking to the Lakers head coach, Luke Walton, a few minutes ago, Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical says the Lakers are confident they can sign Paul George next summer and aren't willing to give up the number two pick in next month's draft for George. The report adds even if George is dealt to another team by the Pacers, whether it be this offseason or during next season, they still like their chances of signing him in free agency. 
agency in 2018. Wink, wink, nod, nod, deal. Uh, now, look, if I'm going for it next year, I would still go after Paul George. Like, I, obviously, the, his value is going to be lessened. But I would still, just because right now it feels like it, it was a foregone conclusion that Kevin Love was going to the Lakers, right? Then he happened to be traded to Cleveland. And even this first year didn't go well. But, like, you know what? I, I, you know, I, I got a stick. He won a championship after re-signing. He's there long term. I don't think he ends up in L.A. for now. Um, so, but I, I think that's interesting because people are, the Lakers have learned from the mistake of the Knicks. The big mistake of the Knicks was the previous regime deciding to trade for Carmelo Anthony, even though they knew full well they would get Carmelo Anthony in the offseason. We should remember that that offseason was part of the lockout, and Carmelo wanted that trade done before the lockout occurred because he thought he would make less money. Little did he know, little did anybody know, that after a lockout, uh, he could have made so much more money. It ended up being, even though it was a 50-50 split as opposed to like a, I think it was like a 57-43 split before, it ended up working out better for the players they ever could have thought. We'll get to some basketball a little bit later on to the college variety, but let's move to the NFL and college football. Sports Business Journal reporting there's an agreement in place for United Airlines to buy the naming rights to the L.A. Coliseum. The report says it is a $70 million deal over 15 years. The money will help offset some of the cost of the renovations that USC is doing to the Coliseum. But United Airlines could be the new naming rights of the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Uh, okay. I mean, like, look, the LA Memorial Coliseum was supposed to be re- supposed to have been redone thirty years ago. So, let me know when they actually move some dirt over there and fix some stuff. Little uh, iconic, though, don't you think? It I mean, is an uh, icon. It's an iconic building, but it's a dump, and it cost a million dollars to park there, right? <laughs> Unless they've changed stuff. And though the though USC's campus is nicer than it used to be. It's still, you know, a mile away from Florence and Normandy, right? It's still a place where the cost of living is going up and the chance of living is going down. Renovation is going to be about $270 million for the uh, new look Coliseum, which, as you touched on earlier, the Rams will get another year there because of the delay in the Inglewood Stadium. One AFC coach told Albert Breer of the MMQB.com that he believes the Patriots didn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo because the team could part ways with Brady sooner than people think. This AFC coach said, and I'm quoting, quote, it made me think that Tom Brady's situation isn't what everyone thinks it is. Maybe he trades Jimmy during the season, or maybe he keeps Jimmy and says goodbye to Tom after the year. Doesn't sound crazy to me at all. Look, when, when Giselle Bunchin just so happens, oops, I just so happen to say that Tom had a concussion last year and had concussions previously, right? All that, that that's, that's, that's your wife saying, I don't want you playing football anymore. That's, that's what it's saying. And there's a lot of things that we do. And I think like Dan, you've been fortunate. You just got married a week and a half ago, and you guys are both grown ups. And your wife Lisa, she's incredible. She kind of runs this place. But like, if she decides, hey, Dan, I don't want you doing radio anymore. Like, you're gonna fight her because you're good at what you do. But if she has a, she has a really good point, and and you guys make enough money, then it's still your wife, right? Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. So Giselle saying, I, I you had a concussion to me, just says, I don't want you playing anymore. Knowing that Bill Belichick hung on to your eventual backup, you are 40 years old, and you can say I want to play till I'm 45, but a long time ago he said he wanted to play till he's 40. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that this is – I'm with whoever this coach is. This is going to end a lot sooner than 45, and I wouldn't be stunned at all if Belichick goes to him at some point and goes like, look, I can trade you to San Francisco. You can play there if you want. Or you can just retire, man. 
You got a great wife. You got a ton of money. You got five championship rings. You make the call. Hi, I'm Dan. Welcome to Urban Home. Um, Blue Jays outfielder <laughs> Kevin Pillar apologized again today for using a homophobic slur when yelling at Braves reliever Jason Mott last night. Major League Baseball is investigating the incident, and despite the apology, Pillar is still likely to face some form of punishment from the league. So two apologies for Kevin Pillar, not only last night after the game, but again today. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, you know, I don't use the R word anymore. In talking about people, but I do know friends that still use it in a derogatory word, but it's not meant with people with disabilities. I don't use the that that form of the F word, or I don't even say the word, or I don't say, like, that's gay anymore, unless it is, in fact, gay, right? Um, but, like, it's been part of our vernacular for a long time, and does it need to be changed? Sure. But, like, let's not go crazy now. It wasn't... It wasn't... It wasn't intended to be a homophobic slur as much as it was likely intended just to be a slur. So I'm I'm fine with two apologies. We're good. And Ryan Music in my ear telling me that a two-game ban from the Blue Jays for Pilar, but Major League Baseball still uh, looking into the matter. Hey, let's jump to college basketball. University of Missouri reportedly plans on unveiling a statue of former men's basketball coach Norm Stewart outside of Mizzou Arena sometime next season. Storman Norman, legendary coach in the Big 8 and into the Big 12. Uh, like that he's get like that he's getting a statue. He was Missouri basketball for a long time. No issue there. Finally, a Round Rock, Texas man suing a woman he went on a date with because she wouldn't stop texting during a movie. He essentially told her to go outside and text, so she did, and then she never came back. Uh, they went to see the Guardians of Galaxy 2 movie, and he wants his $17.31 because she ditched out on the film. No, you, I... I, I no, like you don't get. She left. That's better. Watching it filmed by yourself. You really like the movie. <laughs> That's so much. There's nothing more annoying than sitting next to somebody who's either annoying you by chewing too loud, talking too loud, or texting. I, I, I'm. I don't think he should win that suit. I actually think he end up benefiting from the deal. That's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Uh, all right, so we got a, a jam-packed show tomorrow, right? Right, Ryan. That's correct. We don't know if Ramos will be back. He left with what we're told is kidney stones. All the best to Ramos. All the best to Ramos. Uh, Ramos is listed as day-to-day, but as Keith Oberman liked to say, aren't we all? Tony Gonzalez, my homie, former AU teammate, newest Fox Sports teammate, will join us as well. So will CJ2K, will he get back in the NFL? That's tomorrow on the Doug Gottlieb Show. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 